from the rule of our Holy Father, Saint Benedict. Chapter the second, Qualices in the Day of Abbas, what kind of man the abbot ought to be, continued. Therefore, when anyone receiveth the name of abbot, he ought to govern his disciples by a twofold teaching. That is, he should show forth all goodness and holiness by his deeds rather than his words, declaring to the intelligent among his disciples the commandments of the Lord by words, but to the hard-hearted and the simple-minded, setting forth the divine precepts by the example of his deeds. And let him show by his own actions that those things ought not to be done, which he has taught his disciples to be against the law of God, lest, while preaching to others, he should himself become a castaway, and God should say to him in his sin, Why dost thou declare my justice, and take my covenant in thy mouth? Thou hast hated discipline, and hast cast my words behind thee. And again, thou, who sawest the mote in thy brother's eye, Didst thou not see the beam in thy own? But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. <coughs> For Saint Benedict, the abbot is the doctor, the teacher, and he governs. To govern means to give direction to indicate the means to an end. He ought to govern his disciples, disciples meaning learners, by a twofold teaching. First, he should show forth all goodness and holiness by his deeds rather than his words. Omnia bona et santa. That's a beautiful expression. Omnia bona et santa. All things good and holy. I would rather translate all things good and holy. And this means that the abbot is to show that Virtue is attractive. That virtue makes a man happy. Uh, that these good and holy things uh, commanded by God are the very things by which we grow in virtue and therefore uh, in happiness. The abbot is to give an example of what happens when a man hears the word of God and keeps it. It's very important that the abbot show that virtue 
is a lovely thing, an attractive thing. Not something grim, not something oppressive, not something that holds a man back from being his best self, but rather something that allows a man, by grace, perfecting nature, to become his best self in the context of the monastic family, and this for the glory of God. So, the abbot is obliged then, and this is daunting, to become his best self, allowing grace to perfect his nature, so that by the goodness and holiness of his life, uh, he can uh, then invite his sons to uh, allow their natural gifts to be perfected by grace, the wounds of their nature to be healed by grace, so that they can become their best selves as members of the Eucharistic organism, the body that is the monastic family, and this, that in all things God may be glorified. The abbot, first of all, has the obligation to be his best self. And uh, he does this by submitting to the operations of grace in his soul. When I say that grace builds on nature, grace perfects nature, yes, and it is also by grace by grace that the wounds in our nature are healed. Grace purifies, heals, and perfects. And so the abbot has to give the example of a man who submits to the purifying, healing, and perfecting operations of divine grace. And in doing this in his own life, he demonstrates to his sons that all of this is possible, that any one of us can be purified, healed, and perfected by the operations of grace. The abbot is to declare to the intelligent among his disciples the commandments of the Lord by words. That is to say, he is to give uh, a teaching uh, such as I'm giving now. He's to teach from the chair. At the same time, there will always be in a community brothers for whom the teaching from the chair remains obscure, they are not touched by it, it somehow doesn't penetrate them. St. Benedict recognizes this. He calls them the hard-hearted and the simple-minded, not in an insulting way. Be very 
careful to understand this. Um, rather, he recognizes that men have different gifts. That some men will benefit fully from the teaching from the chair and know what to do with that teaching in their lives. He sees that other men will benefit partially from teaching from the chair. And they will need uh, a teaching um, communicated in other ways. And he knows that there will be in the community men for whom the teaching from the chair says nothing. And these are not to be abandoned by the abbot. Rather, he is to teach also by the example of his life. And let him show by his own actions that those things ought not to be done which he has taught his disciples to be against the law of God. The abbot is to demonstrate, to demonstrate, to be an example. Lest, here St. Benedict gives a dire warning, while preaching to others, he should himself become a castaway, a reprobate. And God should say to him, to the abbot in his sin, and here St. Benedict quotes Psalm 49, verses 16 and 17. Why dost thou declare my justice and take my covenant in thy mouth? Thou hast hated discipline and hast cast my words behind thee. Uh, this reproach from Psalm 49 contrasts with the disposition by which our Blessed Lady took the word of the Lord to heart. The psalm contains a reproach against the man who casts the word of the Lord behind his back. I'm going to put this behind me and I'm going to go, go my way. Did you see the image? You receive the word of God, <clears throat> you throw it behind your back and you go your way. Our Blessed Lady takes the word of the Lord and holds it in her heart. I want to say cradles it in her immaculate heart. And so by way of contrast, we come again to the mother of God as the exemplar of monastic holiness. She receives the word of God and allows her life to be shaped by it. Whereas the heedless man, uh, intent on doing what he wants to do, intent on shaping his own life the way he wants to see it take shape, that man casts the word of the Lord behind his back. And he hates discipline. Uh, that means he hates sitting at the feet of the Master in order to learn. Uh, he hates being a disciple. To hate discipline is to hate being a disciple. It is to refuse to sit at the Master's feet, as did Mary of Bethany, and as did the 
Jairus seemed demoniac, once healed and fully clothed. He sat at the feet of the Lord and listened to him. And the second reproach, thou who sawest the mote, the little thing in thy brother's eye, didst thou not see the beam in thy own? Matthew 7, 3. Uh, the abbot uh, must always be conscious of these two reproaches in all his actions, in his words, in his decisions, in the direction he gives to the monastic family. He has to keep in mind these two reproaches uh, and uh, turn them around to implement them in the positive way. The first reproach, thou hast hated discipline, the abbot is to love discipline, which means he's to love being a disciple of the Divine Master, who says, learn from me, learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. That's discipleship. So the abbot is to um, love being a disciple. Uh, the opposite of casting the words of the Lord behind him, he is to receive the word of the Lord. St. Athanasius says of St. Anthony that not a word of the Lord fell to the ground, but that Anthony received it and committed it to memory. Uh, so the abbot is to be eager to hear the word of God and to hold it in his heart. Uh, he is to first take note of his own sins uh, before uh, calling uh, a brother's attention uh, to uh, the sins that uh, he perceives, the weaknesses, the shortcomings that he sees in a brother. He is first to stand before God and become conscious of his own sins, repent of them, uh, because only the man who is conscious of his own sin and repents of it is clear-sighted enough to help a brother emerge from his uh, complexes of sins and weaknesses and um, infirmities.